invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 6 this morning, and we're going to walk through this familiar story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And as you're turning there, what's so interesting about that opening introduction is that the men under Washington's charge had to trust their general. Little did they know what was ahead of them, and Washington had a long view of the Revolutionary War, and the men had to trust and know that he understood we're in this for the long haul, so therefore we're going to have to take unconventional measures. So for instance, in that battle that uh, they lost there just outside uh, New York City, it really was the battle for New York, and the British ships had 32,000 troops waiting to come on shore. Washington only had 20,000 troops. So as they come on shore, Washington is outnumbered and he's outflanked. And after the battle is done, the British general puts himself in a position to receive the surrender from General Washington and really receive the surrender of the patriots. And there is no revolution and there is you know, no United States of America, according to General Howe, who's waiting for General Washington to come see him. But this is where Washington understood the long view and he understood this calls for unconventional measures and in the middle of a driving rainstorm, he took the 9,000 troops he had left and he, and he snuck out away. The British never suspected. And in the middle of the fog, they boarded ships and it took them 12 hours to get to the ships and get across the East River. But they lost that battle. But because of the unconventional thinking of General Washington, the war continued. And eight years later, we were free. And the men had to trust. The men had to have confidence in their leader. And this is what the people are called to do in Joshua chapter 6 this morning, as they are called to trust their leader. They're to take courage and to take confidence in him because they don't fully see what's going to happen. They don't fully understand how it's going to happen. But God calls them and God calls us to trust him in times that we don't fully see and fully understand. Here's where we've been over the last couple of weeks. We started a series three weeks ago in the book of Joshua where God calls an assistant to Moses, a man named Joshua, to lead a people out of the wilderness and across the Jordan River and into the new land that God had promised hundreds of years earlier to Abraham. Abraham has a family. That family becomes a great nation there in Egypt for 400 years. And Moses leads them out. He liberates them. They are now free. And they go and they're on their way to the promised land. But they grumble and they complain and they rebel against God. And God judges them and says, you're not going in there. You're going to wait 40 years. And an old generation dies off. A new generation comes in. And Moses doesn't even get to take them into this promised land that he's heard about for hundreds and hundreds of years. That, that as they're waiting there for 40 years, just kind of wandering and waiting, now God comes to Joshua and says, Moses isn't doing it. You are. So get ready. He tells them to be strong and courageous. Three times he tells them in one chapter in his call, because God is working and God says to Joshua, I've already been working. I'm ready to move you. So last week we see where they move across the Jordan River. 
Think about this. There are over 600,000 men over the age of 20 who are able-bodied. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of people, if not over a million, million and a half people that Joshua is responsible for getting over the Jordan River. I read that the upstate, the 10 counties that comprise the upstate, have about 1.4 million people, in in between 1.4 and 1.5 million people. Can you imagine being asked to move everyone in the upstate together across the border into North Carolina? Can you imagine trying to rustle everyone up to do that? Here's Joshua's job. Men, women, boys, girls, animals, possessions, get them over. And how does he want to move them through? He wants to move them through in a way where the great power of God is demonstrated so that they understand when we cross over the Jordan, it's because God has done this and God is working in us and God is with us. So therefore, we can take the next step. And so in Joshua chapter 5, they celebrate that. They celebrate the Passover. The Passover is a, is a meal that remembers their freedom from slavery. And now they celebrate the Passover for the very first time as they enter into the promised land. The manna that they've been eating every single day for years upon years upon years. That manna goes away. And it says in Joshua chapter 5, they get to eat the fruit of the land. I'm going to make sure my kids see that when they complain about chicken again this week, right? Every day. But now they enjoy the fruit of the land. Can you imagine? They're like, we're here. But then comes Joshua chapter 6, verse (laughs) 1. And God is moving them step by step. They're across the Jordan, all these people, and they look up, and there it is. There's the city, the city of Jericho. And then it hits them. We haven't fully arrived yet. Now we got to go to war. Now the men have to go fight. And that this new land that we're entering into, they're not just going to, at least we don't think, they're, just, they're not just going to lay down and die for us. They're going to fight against us. We, we know that. <laughs> and, and, and as strong and as powerful as God has been in working and moving in their life, now they come to another challenge. You ever feel like that in your life? <laughs> God moves you from one challenge One step to the next, but that's how he grows us. That's how he grows us. And so let's look at God's plan here as they come to Jericho, and then we'll unpack it. Two thoughts this morning, and here's the first thought if you want to write it down as we come to the text. Trust means marching when we can't see what God is doing beyond us, all right? Trust is marching. Trust means marching in obedience to what God has asked us to do when we can't see what God is doing beyond us. All right, let's look at the text, verses 1 through 7. Here's the plan. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, With its king and its mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city. Here's your plan. All the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn... When you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout 
with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests, and he said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward. March. Go forward. March. Around the city. And let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Now here is God's plan to defeat the enemies of Jericho. A little context here. When they come to the city of Jericho, the reason that perhaps many of them just pause is because Jericho is this large city that's, that's fortress, that, that has a wall around it. And for some of those people, if they're still alive and they come out of Egypt, they remember the great cities of Egypt. But remember, for a lot of these people, especially the, the, the younger families with the smaller children, they've been out in the wilderness. They've never, ever seen a civilized city before. They've never seen a fortress and a wall like this. And here, here is the thinking of some of these people as they're getting ready to go into this land, knowing that they have to fight. That city's been around a long, long time. In fact, they believe it's one of the oldest cities ever in civilization. That city's been around a long, long time, and it's got big walls, and, and it's got a, a king and, a, and, and men, mighty men of valor. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 tells us they have a mighty army. And so they, that wall, that city represents the opposition for us moving in, and that city has military equipment. That city has military men, not like we do. We, we, don't, we don't have uh, battering rams and scaffolding ladders that we can climb the city. We didn't come equipped with that. They've got military experience because they've been in this land a long, long time. We've just been wandering around. I know Joshua's been trying to train us. Joshua's been trying to get us ready. But, you know, we don't quite have the experience they do, they do or the ability that they do. It says that, that the citizens were all shut up into the city. And one writer points out, he says, look, as the people come to the city, they don't see any activity going on. So they have to be thinking that the element of surprise is with them, not with us. So that when we come up to the city, here we are vulnerable to them. And they can do whatever they need to do to defeat us from inside their own city. It goes on and on that, that here's the reality. As they come to, to their Jericho, they see an incredibly big task in front of them. They see opposition in front of them. They see strength in front of them, or so they think. And when they look inside themselves, they see weakness. They see inability. They see they don't have the experience. They don't have the wisdom. They don't have the smarts. They don't have the element of surprise. They, they have this young army. So, so as they're looking in front of them, what they see can cause them to be fearful. And what they see inside of them causes them to be even more fearful because they can't meet the opposition. And here is what they don't know. There's a few people that know something different. And it is this. That God asks you to march and to trust him because he sees things beyond what you see in front of you. Here's what they don't know. The, the people don't know that God has already been at work among the people. Oh, there's a few folks that know. For instance, Rahab. 
She's the, she's the prostitute in Joshua chapter 2 when the spies go into uh, Jericho to check it out. Joshua sends the uh, CIA in there. And so they're, they're there in her house and they hide, her, hide these spies. And here's what she says in, in Joshua chapter 2. She tells them, listen, I know that the Lord has given you the land and there is fear of you on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. So the spies at the end of the chapter say this, the Lord has given us all the land. The inhabitants melt away because of us. The narrator in in chapter 5 verse 1 says, the hearts of all the kings melted and there was no more spirit in them before the people of Israel. Now, how many people in that camp and that in that number of thousands upon thousands upon thousands knew this? I don't know, but here's my guess. Not very many of them understood entirely that this city that they're about to go up against, that God was already behind the walls of the city. God was already behind the scenes. God was already in in the prostitute's house working in her to voice what God was doing. God was already in the land. We're talking Jericho here, which is the very first city. We're not even talking about the entire region. So when they come up to the city of Jericho, what they see and what's in their heart is a lot different than what God sees because God sees beyond the scenes and beyond the walls of the opposition that you face. And you need to know that. You need to know, parents, that God sees into the hearts and God wants to work into the hearts of your children beyond what you can see as a parent. In whatever situation that you're in, I have loved talking with you over the last couple of weeks and it seems like every time we gather on Wednesday night or on Sunday, someone comes up and says, this is the transition in my life, this is the change in my life, this is the hurt in my life, and I fear And I wonder and I question. But thank you for reminding us that that God is at work. Do Do you know that God is at work beyond you? And that what you see in front of you might be fearful. What you might see inside of you, you might see weakness. But God is ready to show you something beyond. If you'll just trust and march, you'll just go You'll just go across the Jordan, next step. Go into Jericho, next step. I went to the eye doctor this past week, and it, it's, my, it's becoming my annual visit and a reminder that I'm getting old. <laughs> they tell me that because my eyes, my vision's not doing as well as it used to. And, you know, they dilate your eyes, and they um, ask you to put your eyes in that machine. I, I don't I don't know what the name of that machine, I had to look it up, I can't even pronounce it, that machine that looks like a glorified viewfinder. You know what I'm talking about? Remember the viewfinder with the little slides there? You put your, put your eyes in there. Every time I do that, I want to take that thing and turn it like I'm on top of a mountain. You know, you put the quarter in, it goes click, 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 it never works. And so I, you put your eyes in there, and it, it, your eyes are dilated, you can't see real well, and... Um, and so the technician, she has a card, and she puts it out in front of there, and she says, I want you to read that, that bottom line right there. <laughs> Look over at that line. You sure? <laughs> yeah, that, I want you to read that bottom line right there, all right? And what does she do? She's clicking those lenses, isn't she? Click. How's that? It's not very good. Click. How's that? That's a little bit better. Click. We're almost there. Keep going. Click. You know how that works? And what is she doing? She's simply trying to find 
the weakness in your vision so that she can match it with the lens to correct it. And I was reminded as I'm sitting there and going through this text this past week, those clicks of the lenses that go through our life often put things in front of us that we don't see too clearly. You, you come up to whatever station, whatever season of life you're in right now, click, can't see too clearly. Click, boy, that makes it awfully blurry. Click, it's not getting any better. Click. And if all we're trusting is what is in front of us and is moving, the emotions, the feelings, if that's all you are trusting in, you're going to miss it because the bottom line on the card has never, ever changed. And what God is telling the people as they come to Jericho, and what he's telling us is march. Trust because God sees beyond what you see. You are not God, but he is, and he's working and he's moving. He is getting hearts ready. He is getting events and circumstances lined up. We just simply need to trust when we can't see what God is doing beyond us. All right, so what happens? Verse 8. Joshua here is going to add to this incredible battle plan. We're going to talk about it in just a second, but read verse 8. It says this, And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord, they went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets. And the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, nor shall any word go out of your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. So we cause the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, they walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for day after day after day after day after day after day. Six days of that. Now, there's a lot of repetition in there, and I think the author wants to go, if it's Joshua, and I believe it is, if Joshua wants to go into great detail, he does here, but I think really what is being emphasized is this is one strange battle plan. Okay, pick, picture this. Put, put on your, your, your imagination caps here. Here are the armed men. They want to fight. They've been, you know, Joshua gets them, gets them ready, and Joshua, are we going to fight? Nope, you're not going to fight. What are we going to do? Well, you're going to lead the parade. Okay, that's fine. We can do that for a day or two. All right. 
And, and so you have the armed men. And then after that, you have the trumpeters. These are the priests that blow the trumpets. And whenever we see the, the trumpets in the old covenant there, what it's doing is ushering in the presence of God. So the, the Ark of the Covenant is a box that symbolizes the glory and the presence of God. It's something that they would carry with them all through the wilderness and now into the promised land. The Ark represented the power and the glory and the presence of God himself. And so when the trumpeters blew their trumpets, they were ushering in God's presence. And then you have some more armed guards in, on, in behind. And so that is your parade. That is your procession walking around the city. Now, can you imagine the people of Jericho as they're looking down on this procession, going around them, thinking, day one, what are they doing? By day six, they're thinking, these people are crazy, right? I mean, these are the ones... Rahab, you, you say we're afraid. These are the ones that are to defeat us? And I looked this week. I really did. I tried to find where there was some sort of, um, that the people were imitating some ritual, some war, you know, parade or war procession. I couldn't find anything. And the bottom line is simply this. God wanted them to trust and march, even when they didn't understand what God was doing in them. Trust means marching when we don't understand what God is doing in us. They would have done it perhaps differently than God had directed them to do so. Maybe that's why the text is so clear on the instructions. This is what God wanted. This is what God desired to do, and we don't fully understand it, and we want to show you just how unconventional this is, but God, here is what he's after when he wants you to march in a way that you don't fully understand. He wants to take away, he wants to strip away whatever confidence you have in yourself, whatever trust, whatever sense of belief that you have in yourself and that you can do that. And he wants to take that away so that you learn the fundamentals of trusting him even when it's unconventional. Because this is the first battle. This is the first time they're going to they're gonna come up against an enemy. And so here's what God is teaching. I need you to learn the fundamentals of trust. I need you to, to obey, and I need you to do it even when you don't fully understand it because here is what I'm after inside of you. And, and, and friends, this is what God is after you if you don't fully understand what he's doing, if you don't fully get the situation you're in right now. He is more than simply after winning the battle. God was after more than just winning the battle of Jericho. He was after their hearts so that from Jericho on, they would depend upon him. So that from Jericho on, they would trust him. So that from Jericho on, for the rest of their journey, they would be submissive to him, and they would watch him, and they would follow him. I've used this illustration before, but it just fits so well. It's the, um, it's the movie The Karate Kid. You, have you seen that movie before? Now, some of you students, all right, there's a newer Karate Kid out. All right, I understand that. But in the original Karate Kid, I haven't seen the other one. In the original Karate Kid, which seems like it's way, way back there, um, Daniel, Daniel is a teenager who moves to a new city. And um, he gets beaten up and he gets bullied. 
And so he wants to fight. So he comes to a uh, teacher, karate teacher named Mr. Miyagi. You remember Mr. Miyagi? And uh, Daniel's son. <laughs> and so Mr. Miyagi um, says, yeah, I'll teach you. I'll teach you everything you know, how to fight. And, and Daniel signs up for this karate contest because he, he, he not only wants to, you know, he wants to learn how to fight karate, but he, he thinks this is a way just to achieving what he wants to achieve and beating these guys. And so when he comes over to Mr. Miyagi's house, remember what he gives him? Instead of uh, teaching him the fundamentals of karate, what does he do? He hands him a bucket. And he hands him a, a, a sponge. And he says, Daniel, wash my car. <laughs> and so Daniel goes out there and he's washing the car and he's drying out the car. And then he comes back in and he says, go out and wax the car now. You remember that? And then that famous frame, wax on, wax off, you know, right? Wax on, wax off. And then he, and then he gives him a paintbrush and he gives him a bucket. And he says, go paint the fence. And about that time, Daniel's kind of thinking, what in the world? This is so ridiculous. This is so unconventional. This is so, I, I want to learn how to fight karate. And little did he know that what he was learning, wax on and wax out and paint up and down, what he was learning was simply the fundamentals of trust and the fundamentals that were going to get him to where he needed to go to win the karate match and beat his enemies. And God often calls us to do things that are unconventional, to take steps that we fully don't understand, to take steps that, that cause us to be vulnerable. Think about the children of Israel. They're marching around. They're, they're right, right there in the open. They don't say a word. They're quiet. The, set, the trumpets are blaring. They don't, it, it, it's as if they're just announcing, here we are, come get us. <laughs> and they're vulnerable. Listen, when God speaks to us, sometimes he's going to have you take a step and it's going to be unconventional. It's going to make you vulnerable. It's going to open you up. You're going to begin to ask, what about my reputation? What are people going to think? This is what people think about me in the past. This is what they're going to think about me. Now there's guilt back there. I can't do it. I've failed before. And God is going to come to you and he's going to say, I want you to do something that in the long run, it is going to benefit you and it's going to teach you to trust me. Because trust means marching even when you don't understand what God is doing inside of you. So I, I, I don't know what that is in your life. Students, I don't know what it means for you in school this week. I don't know what it means, moms and dads. I don't know what it means, parents. I don't know what it means for you, grandparents. I don't know what that means for you at the office this week, but I do know this. That God is calling his people to trust and to march and to obey. And here's the beautiful thing. As that ark goes around, the ark of the covenant is the symbol of God's glory and it's the symbol of God's presence. And God is with them. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is with you. You see, in Philippians chapter 2, there's a song that's written and the early church sings this song. And it's a song about the unconditional vulnerable Jesus who leaves heaven and 
He has everything at his disposal. He is equal, it says in, that, in this song. He is equal with the Father, but he doesn't count his equality with the Father anything that he holds on to and hangs on to. So what does he do? He releases whatever reputation he has, and he, he comes to earth, and instead of commanding and being a Messiah who by his authority, I mean, Jesus is the one who speaks the worlds into existence. Jesus is the one that causes you to breathe, that your next breath is because Jesus has willed it for you. Jesus is the one that has all authority, he has all power, but yet he, he says, okay, this is unconventional, Father, but I will come to earth, and I won't save people by sheer force. I won't save people by the good things that they do. In fact, they will reject me. They're a sinful people, but I will give my life for them. I will suffer and I will die for them. And this is the gospel that Jesus will die for you, a sinner, and in the most unconventional way ever imagined, he is the Messiah wants to save your heart and he's vulnerable and he's humble Isaiah says he's like a sheep that goes quietly to the slaughter just as those people walk quietly and they don't say a word in the presence of God as he walks with them so Jesus is quiet and vulnerable for you so here's the good news have you trusted him? It's a question. Have you trusted him? And the good news is offered to you. Some of you here this morning and some of you who are watching, you have not trusted Christ fully. I can't look in every heart. I wouldn't want to, but I do know this. This many people, there are those here who have not trusted Christ fully with your whole life. I would just invite you to come and see this Jesus, this, this Savior who has come in the most unconventional way and given his life for you and respond to him this morning. But for us who have responded, take heart. Be encouraged. Jesus has come. And because of that gospel, he, he, he has been raised to life again, and he lives in all power. And so now the mindset that we come to when it comes to our Jericho, what is your Jericho? Whatever your Jericho is, now you come to the mindset where your weakness is made strong in this person named Jesus. That your inability is made very, very capable, not because of what's in you, but because of Jesus. That, your, that your, your fear and your anxiety and your worry about what is beyond you or what is happening that you don't understand or what God is calling you to do, that fear, that worry, that anxiety is transformed into contentment and peace and calm and trust because of the unconventional, vulnerable Jesus. So I give him to you this morning. Will you trust him? Will you trust him this morning? Will you obey? Some of you, as we pray in just a second, you need to get ready to obey. The Holy Spirit speaking, you need to get ready to say yes. Will you trust him? He is with you. Go forward and march. 
Let's pray together. Father, on behalf of your people at Taylor's, perhaps one of the most important moments of this entire day is right now as it as we, as we end our sermon time and we're getting ready to go, but you want to speak. So we listen. And through your word and by your spirit, would you minister and guide and lead your people? And, and some of them are hurting. Some of them are confused. Some of them are unclear. Some of them are bitter. Some, Father, don't know where to turn, even though they, it looks like they got it all together. Lord, all of us in our hearts and in our minds have a Jericho. We know what it is. And so this morning, I, would you just take your, the word and the story and would you speak to those that need you? And would you give them your son and in his humility and suffering and death and power, help them to take that next step? This week, give them courage. Give them peace. Give them calm. Give them strength, endurance. May they not be afraid. And Father, I do pray for the one that doesn't know you this morning that you would work mightily. Lord, may they see the love of Christ giving his life for them. And may they be so moved that they respond in their heart, maybe come forward, but they don't ever ever get away from the fact that you love them they can turn to you so lord thank you thank you for your word this morning thank you for our time and we pray this in jesus name amen and amen